0: Thank you for joining us for uh, worship, and now we come to a time in the Word. We're in our fourth week uh, out of five in our walk through the book of Romans. It's kind of a quick overview, but keeping up with where you are reading in your New Testament readings. You know, uh, last week I heard something I've heard on occasion. Occasionally I'll have someone come up and say, that's the best message I've ever heard you preach. And I know that there's something in that message that really spoke to them for them to say that, but last week... I had a lot of folks uh, after the message on sanctification a lot of folks say that's the best message you've ever preached now i don't know about that but it did make me stop and think i believe that's probably when it comes to the church and to believers that's probably the most important message i've ever preached the, the need for us to be uh, people who are sanctified and living sanctified lives now you might be thinking, well, you you often say a message is important. In fact, just last month, you you talked about how important it was for us to get the gospel message out, to be involved and faithful in in being involved evangelistically. And yes, I did say that. But you know what? Living a, a sanctified life is what earns us the right to share the gospel. We can't look like the world, we can't live like the world, and then call the world to something higher. Several years ago, when I was living in Texas, I was working for an organization called International Evangelism Association, and one of the staff members there, Rick, was discipling a young uh, high school student. And this high school student had a burden, his name was Charlie, had a burden for a, a friend of his. And Rick would work with Charlie and talk about how to share his faith with his friend, and Charlie began to share with his friend, and then Charlie started inviting his friend to church. And after several weeks of that, Charlie came to Rick very discouraged. He said, I've invited and invited and invited my friend. He always turns me down. So Rick said, well, Charlie, why don't don't you ask him why he's not interested in coming to church with you? And so that next weekend, that next Saturday, when Charlie invited the friend and the friend again said no, Charlie said, well, how come you won't come to church with me? And this high school friend looked at Charlie and said, Charlie, I'm with you all the time. I'm around you all the time. We go to movies together. We go to parties together and most of our classes together. We double date. I've been out with you on Saturday nights. Charlie, the only difference in me and you is the fact that you get up and go to church on Sunday. You can imagine Charlie was deeply wounded by that, and he came back and talked to Rick. And over the next several months, Rick showed Charlie in Scripture and explained what it meant to live a sanctified life, to be in the world but not of the world, to look different than the world looks. Several months later, Charlie got the nerve up and asked his friend again if he would go to church. And amazingly, the friend said yes. And that friend began attending church with Charlie. And after a few weeks of attending church with Charlie, during the invitation one Sunday morning, he walked down, and when the pastor greeted him and asked him why he would come, this is what he said. I want a Savior just like Charlie's. Living a sanctified life earns us the right to be able to share the gospel, which is very important. Now, for those who are already believers, you've already been justified because you've accepted the work that Christ has done for you on the cross. The most important word in the book of Romans is the call to live a sanctified life. You know, last week we talked about the fact that justification is a work that is totally dependent on God. There's nothing we can do to earn or or deserve our salvation, to be redeemed because of something we've done, to be made right with God. No, we can't do anything. We're justified by grace alone. But sanctification, following our salvation, our justification, sanctification requires our cooperation and our work with the Holy Spirit in that process. What does that mean? Well, we have to make choices every day. We have to decide if we want to live a a sanctified, a holy life we have to decide if we're gonna to listen to the Holy Spirit, if we're gonna heed uh, his warnings, if we're gonna obey and respond to his conviction. We have to decide if we're gonna be ruthless with sin in our lives. Remember last week when we looked at what Paul said about putting to death the deeds of the flesh in Romans 8:13? we use the word crucify. We need to crucify our sin. We need to be ruthless in rooting the sin out of our lives. It's going to be painful. But that's exactly what we have to do if we're going to be sanctified. We have to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We've got to memorize and meditate on the Word. Let me take a quick minute this morning before we get into Romans and go over to Ephesians chapter 6. You know, in Ephesians 6, Paul describes the warfare that we experience, and he says that it's it's spiritual. It's not a physical war, it's a spiritual war. And then if you're familiar with Ephesians 6, you know that he lists... All the different weapons, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, your feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. He lists all these weapons, and all of these weapons are offensive weapons or weapons to protect us. And then finally, in verse 17, he talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the offensive piece. And when it comes to dealing with sin, you have to go on the offense against sin. You have to attack Sin before it attacks you when temptation strikes you've got to know the word of God and be able to strike Temptation down with the word of God You've got to know in Proverbs 1 if sinners entice you do not consent do not give in to them You've got to know Psalm 119 37 I will set before my eyes no worthless saying Proverbs 4 24 put away from you crooked talk Let no this devious talk be found in you Romans 13, 14, don't think about how to satisfy or gratify the desires of the flesh. You've got to know the word of God to be able to attack sin. That's part of the sanctification process. Yes, it is a big challenge for the believer to live a sanctified life, but we're empowered by the spirit. We don't do it on our own. We're empowered by the spirit as long as we stay uh, connected and attentive to the spirit in us. One other thing we mentioned last week about the process of sanctification is just the reminder that we have brothers and sisters to help us. God did not intend for us to live the Christian life alone. And when we're truly ready to be sanctified, we've got to be honest and and vulnerable and accountable. We've got to come to the point that we don't care what men, we don't care what people think about us. We care more about what God thinks about us. Now, why am I repeating all this Um, that we covered in more detail last week because we need to be reminded. We need to continually be reminded of the importance of sanctification in our lives as believers. And and we build precept on precept. We build truth on truth. This is what the truth says. Now, this is the next step in that. Remember, sanctification is a lifelong process in every believer. Several years ago when I was in... uh, in Harlingen, Texas, leading a conference, a basic Christian discipleship conference. I'll never forget looking up at one session, it was mostly young believers in the room, looking up at one session and seeing an older gentleman seated just off to my right. And so I made a point at the break to go by and and speak with him and I introduced myself and his name was Mr. Green. Uh, Mr. Green was in his 80s. And I thought, well, maybe he's a new believer. So I began to ask him and come to find out he'd been a believer for 50 plus years. And so I said, Well, Mr. Green, why are you at a conference on basic Christian discipleship? He said, Well, you know, young man, even at my age, I've recognized that I can always learn something new. Sanctification, discipleship, walking with Christ is a a lifelong process. And that should be the attitude of every believer. Paul in Philippians chapter two, verse 12, said that we're to work out our salvation. Not work for, work out. We're to put it into practice and and exercise it daily in our lives. In 1 Peter, chapter two, verse two, Peter said we're to grow up into salvation. That doesn't mean we have to grow to the point that we're able to be saved. It means that when we are saved, we're continually growing in that. That's the sanctification process. Remember, your salvation is not a one and done decision. It's daily. A point comes in your life when you decide to make Christ Lord. At that moment, You're justified. It's instant. You're you're restored to proper relationship with God. But then, from that point forward, you decide daily to live like Christ. That's being sanctified. That's restoring the image of God in your life that was marred by sin. All right, let's dive in this morning to, uh, to Romans chapter 12. Paul was not just a doctrinal teacher. In these first chapters of Romans, he's uh, explained doctrine to us, the doctrine of justification, sanctification. He's explained all that. But he's not just a doctrinal teacher. He follows up with practical application. This is where Paul is a lot like James. If you study the book of James, it's just filled with practical application for the life of the believer. Paul is there now. And, And what Paul understands is the same thing that every effective preacher understands, and that's this. Theological truth is useless unless it's obeyed. There are millions in hell who know the truth. We've got to take theological truth and break it down and talk about how we apply it. And so what you see in Romans from chapter 12 through chapter 16 is all application of the theological truth and the doctrine that that Paul has taught us. So we're going to jump in starting in Romans 12. Look at just the first two verses. These are probably very familiar uh, to many of you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about the word therefore. What's it therefore? Well, he's referring back to all this that he's taught them about the grace and the mercy of God. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, there are three sections here in chapter 12, and that first section is what I would call sanctified sacrifice. Paul talks about the sacrifice um, that God calls us to make, and that sacrifice is that we're committing ourselves without reservation. And what Paul says here is, look, it's entirely fitting in light of the mercy that God has shown us, it's entirely fitting that we commit ourselves completely to serving him. He, he uses the phrase, a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is very useful. A dead sacrifice it's one and done, but a living sacrifice is, is, is very useful. What's a living sacrifice? It's a, it's a daily choice um, that you and I make. It's choosing repeatedly, not just daily, but choosing repeatedly throughout the day to keep ourselves on the altar as a sacrifice before the Lord. We can't at any moment during the day crawl off that altar, and we're not useful. So it's that daily choice of choosing to sacrifice ourselves, put ourselves on the altar. So Paul says here, in view of God's mercy, you've got a compelling reason to obey him and to follow him. That's your worship. That's your response. In light of what God has done for you, true worship requires total surrender. And that's what Paul is calling us to in these first two verses. And and listen, our holiness, our sanctification is not going to progress unless we make deliberate acts of the will. We have to constantly be sacrificing, constantly be uh, making the choices to follow him. Then look at verse two. Verse two gives the how of our worship and sacrifice. How does that happen? Well, first of all, we're not to be conformed. There's going to be, this is part of the reason sanctification is a lifelong process. For all of our lives, there's going to be constant pressure to to adapt to the customs and the mindset of our culture. I love the way the Phillips translation uh, translates verse 2, don't be pressed into culture's mold. But then he gives the solution to keep that from happening. Don't be conformed. If you're not going to be conformed, you have to choose to be transformed. That's the only way to avoid the pressure of being conformed. There's gotta be a transformation process that's happening in your life, why? Because you can't just create a spiritual vacuum. You can't just say, well, I'm not gonna be conformed any longer. No, you have to be transformed so that that counteracts the pressure to be conformed uh, to the world or to society. Now, what you see in the word transform, uh, three things grammatically from the Greek about this word. First of all, transform is in the present tense, that means It's continual, ongoing action. It's not a one-time thing you do. You continually are in the process of being transformed. The second thing, not only is this this word in the present tense, it's also a passive word, meaning the action happens to us. So the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to do this transformation. However, we have to make ourselves available for that to happen. We have to be surrendered to the Spirit, listening to Him, obeying what He tells us. So transformation is continual action. It's something the Holy Spirit is always working in us as we make ourselves available. And the reason we know we have to make ourselves available is the third thing. This is an imperative word, meaning it's a command. We are commanded to let the transformation process be at work in us on a daily, on a regular basis. And so Paul says here, the renewal of our minds is is what's essential, why? Because it allows God's thoughts to replace our thoughts. In Isaiah 55, Isaiah said, talking about God, that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As the heavens are above the earth, there's that much difference. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And so you see Paul says here in that second verse, When God's thoughts replace our thoughts, then his will is at work in our life. And what is his will? It's that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And that only happens when we're fully surrendered, when we have made ourselves a sacrifice to him. All right, the second section from verses 3 to 8, and I would call this section sanctified service. You've got the the sacrifice it's a part of sanctification. Now you have sanctified service. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Well, God has saved us by grace, but we see here also that God has gifted us by grace in order that we may serve. Those gifts are not given for our benefit, they're given for the benefit of others. They're given for the, the benefit of the body. Now, I can't cover uh, time wise every verse in this section, but let me point out a couple of key points. The first one is in verse three. Paul says, Don't think too highly of yourself. Think with sober judgment. You know what he's saying? Don't look at the way that the gifts that God may have given you and think that you're more special than others. You haven't earned, you haven't deserved those gifts. They are given by grace. So be careful that you don't think more highly of yourself. In fact, he says, think with sober judgment. What does that mean? It means don't be intoxicated with how great you are. Some of us, if we're not careful, can become egoholics. Uh, We're intoxicated with how good we are and how gifted we are and how blessed we are. Paul says don't go there. On the other hand, and this is really where a lot of church members struggle more, don't disparage yourself. Don't, Don't put yourself down. Don't think of yourself as less or not having as much value to the body. Everyone in the body has value to the body. Everyone in the body is needed. Several years ago, I read a devotional by Chuck Swindoll, and he was talking about a group of children who had built a clubhouse, and they were coming up with a list of rules, and and they were thinking and talking, and, and finally they came up, they said, you know what, we just need three rules. Nobody act big, nobody act small, everybody act medium. That's what Paul's saying to the body. Hey, there are not some that are bigger and better, others. There are not some that have less value. Everyone, every member is equally important. This, this in verse 3, this context, is it spoken to the body? Every believer has a gift, every believer is important. And then look what he says in verse 5. We're here for each other, not just for ourselves. The purpose of us being in the body of Christ is to help each other and to serve each other. And then verse 6 through 8. He talks about the different gifts. And by the way, this list of spiritual gifts is not uh, exclusive. It's not inclusive of all the gifts. There are other gifts mentioned in Scripture, but he mentions these specifically. And he says, put your gift to use. You know, I've actually had people tell me, "I, I I don't think that I have a gift that's useful in the body. And I've heard those same people encourage someone. I've received encouragement from those same people. I've heard others say, well, I don't, I don't really have a skill that's useful, and yet I've seen those very people behind the scenes serving. We all have gifts. We all have usefulness to the body. We all need to be putting those gifts to work. We all need to be serving the body. In fact, I'd be so bold is, is to say to you today, whether you're a, already a member of Geyer Springs or someone who's been watching online, perhaps attending, thinking about being a part of this body, You've got to be part of a body somewhere and serving. If you're not functioning and you're not serving as a member of a local church body, I would tell you, based on what Scripture says, you're out of the will of God. God has called us together. It's hard during this time because we can't always gather and be together, as Scripture tells us to do. But for certain, when this time passes, the body needs to be gathered. The body needs to be together. The body needs to be serving and, and fellowshipping and worshiping together. It's all about togetherness. That was, that's what God has called us to Well, that brings us to the third and final section, of chapter, chapter 12. We've seen um, sanctified sacrifice, sanctified service, and now finally, uh, verses 9 through 21 talks about sanctified relationships. And the instructions are very clear in this section. I'm not going to take time this morning to, uh, to read all those verses, but I would challenge you, Uh, sometime today, this afternoon, just to sit down for a few moments and go back and read all of these instructions that are given and just read them slowly and stop and and make a note, jot down instructions that you need to give some more attention to. Well, here's the key to sanctified relationships is in verse 9 where Paul says, let love be genuine. Now, clearly, uh, we know that love is more than emotion or feeling. Love is commitment. Lo- love is an, an action verb. We are called to love those in the body and those in the world. And it's not just something we say with our mouth. It's, it's demonstrated by what we do and how we live and how we treat others. In 1 John 4, 20, John said, if you say you love God but hate your brother, you're a liar. I would say it this way. You can't love God anymore. You can't love God any greater than the person you love the least. It doesn't matter if that's a church member, a neighbor, some irritating person in your family, you can't love God any more than you love the person you love the least. John said, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. That makes you a liar. You know, there are times, and uh, don't answer this question out loud, especially if your spouse is in the room, there are probably times that you don't like your spouse. Or maybe you don't like Your kids, but you still love them, and you still pursue their well-being. Love is commitment, and love is is action. You know why we love others, even when they're unlikable? Romans chapter five, verse eight. While we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we were in total, full-out rebellion against God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know why we love others, even those who are unlikable? Romans chapter 12, verse one, in view of God's mercy. When we view the mercy and the grace that God has given us, it totally changes how we relate to other people. What's mercy? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve the penalty of death and eternity in hell. What's grace? Getting something we don't deserve. God has given us what we don't deserve. God has not given us what we do deserve. That speaks a lot to how we ought to treat others. Well, down here in nine through the end of the chapter, there's several exhortations that follow genuine love. Abhor evil, why do we, why do we hate evil? Because we see how it hurts others. Show honor to one another, serve the Lord, pray, help the needy, be hospitable, bless those who persecute, express concern for the hurting, be happy for those who are blessed, don't be proud, treat everyone equally, don't repay evil, live peaceably, bless your enemy, overcome evil with good. All those things flow out of genuine love. They're not easy necessarily, but when you have genuine love for the people around you, those things flow from that. So in, in Romans 12, following Paul's teaching theologically on sanctification, Romans 12, we begin to see some of the practical application that we're sanctified by making ourselves a sacrifice to the Lord, that, that we're sanctified when we serve in the way the Lord has called us to serve, that we're sanctified in our relationships when we relate to people the way God has called us to. Romans 12 is a picture of the type of worship God desires. It's not once a week, the acts of worship that that we uh, do when we're in this place or gathered together as a body, it's not that. Because a lot of times we can go through the motions, go through those acts of worship, but our heart is not in it. Paul says in Romans 12, what God desires is a life of worship that results from and contributes to our sanctification. A life of worship that flows from the sanctifying process and that life of worship as we live out the truths of Romans 12 also helps further the sanctifying process in our lives. You know, it's hard to know when someone's been justified when they've truly come to faith in Christ. That's something that happens internally in a person's life. We can't see that. But this week, as I was studying again through the sanctification process that Paul talks about here in Romans, I realized you can know justification has occurred when you see sanctification occurring. My prayer for us as the body of Christ, known as Geyer Springs Baptist Church, is that others would see in us the process of sanctification. Why? Why? So that will encourage those who know Christ, and so that will help those who don't know Christ see the difference Christ can make in a life. Matthew five sixteen, Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. As we are sanctified and living the way that God has called us to live, that's going to turn the attention and focus of a lost world to a loving Savior. Would you pray with me this morning? Just take just a moment as I ask you to each week and just uh, reflect maybe there's something in the word this morning that uh, just kind of jumped out at you God really brought it to your mind and to your heart something here out of Romans 12 is we've talked about the sanctification process the, the daily choice to totally give ourselves to the Lord the daily decisions we have to make to to listen to the Spirit, to deal with our sin, to be accountable, to spend time in the Word. Maybe for you it was, you know, when, I, when I'm able to get back to church when all this is over, I, I really need to find my place of service. Maybe it was the section on relationships, and, and God brought some people to mind that perhaps you've not been relating to as you should. What has God brought to mind and and what is he calling you to do in response to the truth of his word this morning? Father, thank you that you, Holy Spirit, you put on Paul's heart the words that we need to hear even today. Thank you for the incredible explanation of the gospel that we see in Romans, that the gospel is more than just coming to faith in christ that that's the beginning point the gospel is continually at work in our lives as we are sanctified as we live lives that are pleasing to you become more and more like your son the lord jesus father thank you that through our process of sanctification others are pointed to the lord father help us this week Not to let the week go by, but help us this week to begin working on the things that you have brought to our attention and focus today from your word. To begin putting those things into practice. So that we might be the people that you've called us to be. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.